Ladies and gentlemen, this event is one fall for the United States Tag Team title. Introducing, first of all, the challengers, first of all, from Sweetwater, Texas, in at 255 pounds, Barry Windham. And his partner from Atlanta, Georgia, weighted at 246 pounds, Ron Garvin. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the United States Tag Team Champions, a combined weight of 252 kilos from the Soviet Union, Ivan Koloff and Krusher Khrushchev. championship match right here fans and what a match is gonna be Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 60 of NWA Crock and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd. And tonight, uh, we on our last episode, we did Starcade 86. Tonight, we're going to do kind of a mini pod. I don't know how long it's really going to go, but we're going to bridge the gap from Starcade to the end of the year. So we're actually going to be covering November 29th of 1986 through 1227-1986. And on episode 61, we will start a new year in 1987. But I am not alone tonight. It is only myself and one other person tonight, and that person is Scott Shiflett. Scott, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Sean. Um, it feels like we're doing, going back to uh, to the olden days where it was just me and you doing, um, oh my God, Buck Rogers. Uh, Buck <laughs> Rogers and uh, uh, Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah, Battlestar and Buck uh, with just us on it. So far, we're talking wrestling this time, and I'm not getting caught up in my feelings. Well, maybe, because we actually do have a couple bangers on this episode. I actually think we have a few bangers, and I think uh, I think there's one we'll probably disagree on, and it's probably going to be the first match we talk about. But, you know, I thought when we relaunched Crock and Roll, I would do a little different. So, like, there's opportunities for me where I could do, like, the last two episodes before Starcade, I did solo. Then we had me, you, and Logan. Now tonight we have you. Like, I think it's a good way to intermingle, and because of schedules and everything, it's really easy to split it up and divide and conquer and make sure we cover it all. But not necessarily have to have every single person on every episode. I just think it kind of flows a little bit better that way without having to plan all the bullshit. It, it really does. Um, and also seeing all the stuff, like it had me like fiending to watch. Like after watching Starcade, I was like, I kind of want to see where it happens. Because, you know, going into Starcade, we thought we had, you know, Magnum TA versus Flair, and that got sadly flipped on its head. And it's like, well, are we going to do a fresh reboot uh, going into 1987? And that apparently is what we're going to be doing um, immediately after Starcade. Yeah. And you know what? They did the same thing after the Great American Bass, where like, Almost everybody except for Flair, except for Flair, retained his belt. And then they hit the reset switch right after the bash, and then every single title changed hands. So a little bit of the same as we go into the new year. So we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to start off with November 29th, 1986. We're going to World Championship Wrestling. And, of course, you can find this on Peacock. Um, so on this episode, it's the weekend after Starcade, And this is a tag team match, and it's interesting. So Bill Dundee and uh, Jimmy Garvin are a team. And if you remember, Bill Dundee at Starcade uh, took on uh, Sam Houston. He did not win the Central States title. And then Jimmy Garvin had 
a 15-minute draw with Brad Armstrong, who happens to be on the other side of this match tonight because he is teaming with his father, uh, Bob Armstrong. And this is actually Bob Armstrong's debut. And the way they set it up was um, Bob debuted in an interview with his son, uh, Brad, and then Jimmy and Bill Dundee apparently attacked Bob in the back and then brought Brad out and said, hey, um, I want to I want to challenge Jimmy Garvin. And Bob came in and then here we go, Schiff. So we just have this tag team match that came out of nowhere. So we're going to jump right into the match. So it's Bob and uh, Brad Armstrong versus Bill Dundee and Jimmy Garvin. So uh, Bob is out in his jeans and all four start off going at it. The heels bail outside with um, um, with David, uh, David Crockett taunting them on the outside. Um I can tell you one thing, the Armstrongs for me, they can't really talk, but I actually think they could go. So the pretty, I thought the first five minutes were pretty hot. Then Brad slows down the pace with a side headlock. Dundee, you know, I make fun of Dundee, and I know you're probably going to have some comments about Dundee because you made some comments to me in our group chat about it. Um, but I think he's kind of a scrappy little fuck with this. Like, he's got some good punches. All four going again. It's just chaos. Then Garvin comes in and slows it down with a front face lock. And as the match goes on, the heels work over Bob. Um, Garvin for me is like Chinlock City in this match. That's all he seems to do. Um, Bob gets sprayed by Precious in the eyes. Um, then Brad comes in, but the heels cut him off really quick. Brad takes a good beating. Uh, Dundee is a shrimp chant, uh, is really funny, but he is pretty stiff. Um, Garvin and him do quick tags. Um, Garvin, I think, is really bad. I actually like Dundee in this. Brad finally gets a top rope drop kick, all four in the ring again. The bell rings. We have a double DQ. So the ending was kind of out of nowhere. And this is kind of a chaotic match. It didn't really ever seem to really like flow or really get like a good pace going. And when it did, it was a front face lock. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was quick and fast pace. I thought the Armstrongs and Dundee were really good. I think Garvin stinks. I think you had an opposite uh, thought to that. But at the end of the match, the Armstrongs cut a promo, um, which they didn't need to do because they can't talk. Um, this was 15 minutes. I went two and three quarter stars on it. I thought it was solid for what it was. So, Schiff, what did you think? It was a long 15 minutes, Sean. It was um, well, just, just like Jimmy <sighs> versus Brad at Starcade. Very long 15 it minutes. It was a long uh, – I will say, Bob, I liked how – like, it was very impromptu. Like, you know, they were cutting the promo, like you said, and, like, Bob still has, like, jeans on. He wrestled 15 minutes in jeans. So, like, good on you, Bob. The man had the Arn Anderson syndrome because I swear he looked, like, 80 years old here. I mean, I'll say 60. He looked 80. He never aged. Like, he never aged. Like, he's looked yeah. the same. He's like Arn, exactly. Yeah. Um, I will say it was pretty cool seeing Bob slapping the shit out of these guys and then screaming, you asked for it, you'll get it. And, like, that was before <laughs> they went to the first commercial break. It was such, like, a country thing. Like, um, oh, but there's just times with this match I got bored. But I will say, like, Brad had a nice dropkick uh, to Dundee. And they were just beating Dundee down. But um, I did like how Dundee was working over Brad and screaming, how about your boy now? So the, a lot of shit talking, which is very nice. You, you see that a lot more in NWA compared to WWF, really, I guess. Just with a smaller venue for the NWA for what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you can do it more. Um, you know, um, Precious Interrupt and Dundee spray. Brad and Bill and like Brad kicked out. That should have been the finish in my eyes, just because it was like so long of a match. It felt like, um, I will say that Brad was like, had his head slammed in the turnbuckle and was just selling it. Wonderful. It's just like a small little thing that I caught. And I was like, damn, that's really good. Um, Brad then hit a beautiful missile drop kick. And it sounds like I'm in love with Brad Armstrong. Like this is like the first, it does a little bit. sound like really enjoyed him in. He's actually really good in the ring. He just can't talk. 
I've, well, I've heard that, you know, like that's what every like all these like, you know, uh, wrestling fans say that, you know, are listening to this podcast that how good Brad is. I've never seen it. I did see a little bit of it. I did not like the double DQ. We could have had the Armstrongs go over here um, because, you know, Bill Dundee. I'm not Listen, here's say, the thing with Dundee. Dundee is a small, scrappy Memphis style wrestler. So. It's a lot of stiff punches, and he doesn't do a whole lot else. That so may I, I work in Memphis, that. but it's not working in Greensboro. Yeah, I get what you're saying on that. I actually like that style, so for me, it probably I give it a pass more than you I'm, do. I'm sure if I saw it in Memphis, I would like it a whole lot more just because how everything was. They were more heat based, but with this, I, I just I don't know. I went two and a quarter, but okay. Well, so it's not that much of a differential. It's a solid match, but it's a long 15, so it's not something I would go out of my way to watch again. I mean, let's put it that way. Right. So. All right. Yeah. So when this match ended, I was like, thank God. Like I had to like go walk around my house or something just like because. I, Yeah, it was it was yeah. wrong. <laughs> all right. So we're going to go to our next match. Uh, we're going to want you to go out of your way and watch this next match. OK, well, it's interesting because a lot of people have certain feels about this match, but we'll see how we do. So it's uh, December 6, 1986 World Championship Wrestling. So a couple other fun notes on this pod. So, you know, baby doll left. Right. Yes. Uh, because she was banging Sam Houston. Dusty didn't like it, so they let it go. Fun note on this episode, Baby Doll comes out with the Midnight Express as her manager, and it literally is only one appearance because you remember Cornette got injured um, at Starcade, but she only came back for one appearance, and you never saw her again. So kind of a cute little nugget here on this episode that Baby Doll shows back up, and then she's gone again. Also, Barry Windham also debuts on this and sets his side on flair, and as we get into 1987... Barry Windham is going to take up a big, huge majority of what we talk about as kind of a thank, new face. Thank God. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting a long time to get to uh, Barry Windham, but um, it's not all that Barry Windham will talk about tonight because we got some stuff going on later than this. So, so on this episode of World Championship Wrestling, we get a World Tag Team title match. Rock and Roll Express, they retained at Starcade over the um, Andersons. And uh, Rick Rude. And- but at what call, Sean? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez, who, you know, both had their things at Starcade 86 as well. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. So Rock and Roll come out. They talk about how beat up they are for the Andersons and what a war they are, but they were still champs. Later on in the show, Rude, Bull, and Jones come out and they challenge the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and Jones says, I want him right now. He says he talked to Crockett and he got his blessing. Um, it says Rock and Roll Express, come make some money and put your titles on the line right here if you got the guts. Um, later on, the Rock and Roll Express come out with Crockett um, and Jones, and Crockett says he has a contract, but the Rock and Roll Express don't have to do this. Rock and Roll Express being dummy baby faces signed a contract, and we are set. So a really big-time match for the titles is on. The crowd is lit immediately, and then David Crockett immediately goes into his shit early on commentary. So we start off fun back and forth with Bull and Ricky in the ring to start. Uh, both are really good at what they do, like these guys in the ring together are great. Rude and Robert follow it up. They're just as great as Robert throws Rude into Bull. First five minutes is really good stuff. The faces work over Rude's arm. Um, Ricky, um, her, he has his um, arm all taped up, um, and he's selling it like really well for the injury that uh, Anderson's did to him at Starcade, where he just got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, Rude immediately says he's going to get that arm from the apron, which I thought was really good. You brought it up earlier how they like to talk to each other, and Rude immediately says he's going after the arm. Uh, Bull in, and they work his arm as the crowd chants break it. Um, R&R dominate for like the first 10 minutes. Um, the heels get Robert down finally and work his leg. This goes on for quite a while. I know it lasts a long time. I think the sell and the heel intensity of it is pretty great. Robert gets a backdrop on Rude, but his knee crumbles on the rebound, which is really good kind of storytelling. 
Ricky gets the tag with the heels, immediately get um, get control of him and go go to town on his injured arm. Ricky keeps fighting back just like he did at, uh, against the Andersons at Starcade, uh, but he gets slammed on his arm. David mentioned the heels must have talked to the Andersons as they work at the Andersons type of match. And I really want us to remember that because that's what stood out for me about this match is this reminded me a lot of that Starcade match with the Andersons. So just like Starcade match, Morton takes absolute shit kicking. Um, everyone is absolutely drenched in sweat. Bull throws Morton to the floor, and Rude savagely throws him into the post, injured arm first. I love they do that. Not, yeah, it was so good. They do not let up on the arm for 20 minutes until Robert finally gets the tag, and all four are in, double drop kick. Uh, ref pushes Ricky to corner as Robert gets a roll-up. Rude clothesline the Robert, reversing the pin for Bull, and the ref turns for three, and we have a new chance. David loses his shit. Um, so this whole match and segment and build for this took – actually about the last 40 minutes of the show. So I'll be honest with you. This is on par with the Andersons match for me. I said, you just replace Anderson. Um, you replace uh, bull and rude for the Andersons and Morton can sell better than anyone I've ever seen. I went four stars on this shift. I really, really liked it and thought the limb work was amazing. What did you think? Yeah, I went three and three quarters. Um, I, a lot I, of people hate this match. I guess it's cause it's so long. I can see it long, but it, I think if you watch it with a scope of, um, the Starcade match and how they worked over uh, Ricky's arm there. And they mention it at the very beginning when he does a, um, when he does the, the, um, the, the um, what was the, the, the Ricky steamboat thing that he's known for? The Insiguri? No, the thing with the, the arm drag. Sorry. Oh, the arm drag. Yes. Yeah. When he does the arm drag and he lands on the arm, um, Crockett points it out immediately. It's like, oh, he's hold, holding his arm, and you see Ricky tag immediately out. So they're telling a story with that, and they start like, and like you said, they scream out, "We're going to work over that arm," um, you know, and like Ricky was trying to tag out quickly, but they were finally able to get to him. They were actually working over Robert's leg as well, which I liked because um, it's like not just one person is going to be hurting; both of them are hurting, and like they're all already coming in as wounded. Wounded animals, essentially, and the heels just, you know, had them circled in and was like, we're going after him right now. Um, I just loved how they worked over Ricky's arm. I loved the move where they put the armor on their back and then slam Ricky on his arm like the Andersons do that. I, it was I just love it. Like, it's perfect, like limb work. Like, you know, I just I, I can't get enough of it. Um, and there was a time where he went to when Ricky went to dive into the corner and he missed and he went arm first that his arm was hurting on that. So it was like, damn, like he can't get any um, thing going. And there was a time when Ricky was using his other hand to like fight off, try to fight off, but he couldn't. The fans and one thing I think that was really good about this match, Sean, was the fans were still in it. Like the whole 30, 40 minutes. They were just yeah. on their feet. Yeah. And um, like Ricky just couldn't get anything. Um. But, like, I love how, like, he got so close to the tag, but Rude cut him off. And then, like, you know, Ricky um, got thrown arm first into Manny's knee, which I thought, mm -hmm. like, they were just abusing it. Well, the, the little part that I didn't have was, like, Ricky just doesn't give up. And then Robert gets in there and, like, immediately gets pinned, like, after, like, 30 seconds. It's like you yeah. could have had Ricky pass out from the pain. Yeah, you know, and I would – you know what? And I would, that would – you know what's interesting to me about, about this match is – I wonder why they made this decision versus the Andersons. And I guess we'll see that play out over the next few months. But, you know, it's, it's just interesting. It's almost the same exact type of match, but they gave the win. And I'm like, to you, I'm like, 
you know, Ricky went through his shit kicking at Starcade. His arm was worked over. This would have been a proper opportunity just to call the match because he passed out. To your point, yeah, so the he, ending was kind of shitty. And you do like, and you do it instead of forty minutes, you do it like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And like, you're like, he's already yep. hurt. And yeah. Yep. So anyway, I would go out. Listen, I thought this match was great. Um, I know it's long. Um, you went three and three quarters. I went four stars. I would highly recommend going to watch this match. It's very good. And honestly, for me, it might be the best Rick Rude match I've ever watched. I don't well, know yeah, about you, you. You're a big, uh, after watching um, Seven Months of Danzer, which you can catch on the No-So feed, uh, Sean, not the biggest um, Rick Rude fan. No, this might be my favorite Rick Rude match I've watched up to this point. So, all right. So uh, that is uh, two matches uh, that we've had coming out of Starcade, and then one title change already. So our next match, December 13th, 1986, and it is on NWA Pro Syndicated. And it's for the U.S. Tag Team titles, and I brought up earlier for you um, that Barry Wyndham debuted um, on this last episode that we just talked about. But here he is teaming with, uh, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers, Ron Garvin, and they take it on the Russians for the U.S. Tag Team titles. So Garvin, fresh off the loss to Bubba at Starcade, Wyndham has just debuted, the Russians retained over the Kansas City Jayhawks, and here they are defending the U.S. titles. So... I didn't think much of that at the time, but Garvin, like I said, is one of already my faves. And I knew Wyndham mostly from watching old WWF tapes at this point because he was part of the U.S. Express, um, former world tag team champion. So he might be like one of those first real guys when I was watching NWA saying, oh, he was in the WWF. And that's what I realized before I knew anything about wrestlers, that people could go to different federations and everything. So um, for me, I think Barry Wyndham might have been my first aha moment with that. So kind of a makeshift team thought here. So I assume some DQ type of ending. Um, they are still pushing Barry as a top guy already for Flair. He's literally just debuted for a cup of coffee, and they're already pushing him as a top contender to Flair. Um, Ivan is underrated, good, as he bumps and sells for their faces the first few minutes of the match. Wyndham hits an impressive big man suplex on Crusher Khrushchev. Then it is a gut, run, gut wrench. We come back from commercials, and Crusher Khrushchev's beating up on Garvin. Ivan misses a top rope knee, but Russians uh, keep beating up Garvin with quick tags. Garvin gets a tag and crowd loses his shit for Barry. He unloads on Crusher Khrushchev and hits a flying lariat. All four in the ring. Barry's thrown outside. Crusher goes for his chain. He nails Garvin with it from behind while the rest distracted. He walks over to Apron to go nail eight Barry, but Barry ducks and he does a shoulder to the gut. And he gets a sunset flip over the top rope for three for the shocking win and the U.S. tag team titles. Um, I remember watching this being stunned at the time. And I was happy for Garvin because, by the way, he is now a double champion because he's still the Mid-Atlantic champion. And Wyndham immediately comes into territory and wins the title. Um, the funny thing about this is, after this, it makes sense, is because the match was only six minutes. It wasn't great. I went two to a quarter. But Crusher would be gone soon, and he would be going to WWF become Demolition Smash. And this will be the final. I think this might be the final time we talk about Crusher on this podcast. I'm not sure. But fun match. I went two and a quarter. What do you think, Shift? Yeah, it just went two stars. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, it was just, you know, they had to get the titles off of them. Yeah. Um, Crusher had Ronnie in a bear hug and was just slapping the piss out of him after of it. And I wrote, I want to see Ronnie chopping the fuck out of people, not the other way around. Um, Barry looked great. Uh, I guess they had maybe done some hype videos before for him before he came in because the crowd knew who he was. He hit his beautiful lariat, which we discussed on Seven Months of Danger. That I mean, I was already a Barry fan, but I made me a bigger fan watching that and seeing him like come in looking super young right here. Um, you know, I was shocked that we got the sunset flip and with new champs with the two stars. And Sean, that makes sense because 
um, on a later, I was watching, like I was queuing up a match that we're going to talk about later. And Ivan was talking about bringing someone in that Nikita was scared of. So it seems like they already knew that Crusher was gone. I mean, yeah, the Crusher was gone. So they were bringing someone else in to, uh, I guess, take Crusher's spot. Which I didn't know, but like I just caught that and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, they bring in a guy named Vladimir Pietrov, who we probably won't talk about too much because he doesn't do a whole lot. Um, but he's very similar to Nikita, same build, same kind of. But the thing is with Crusher at this point, he actually, him and Crockett actually, the they they were in contract negotiations and they fell through. But obviously, Crusher made the right decision for the rest of his career based on what he goes to do. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, he could either be a Russian or he could go on to be one of the greatest tag teams of all time that people talk about. So better than the Road Warriors for some people. Just saying. Nah, what about you? Uh, what do you really? You're not yeah. a big Road Warrior guy either, are you? No, but I'm not that big of a demolition fan. I think it's just like a time period thing. Yeah, I think it. I, I here's what I do think. I think demolition actually had better competition to wrestle than the Road Warriors did, in my opinion. But also, I don't really want to watch the Road Warriors unless it's like against the Andersons or like something else. So. Got it. Under, understood. But anyway, new U.S. Tag Team Champions. Ronnie Garvin's a double champion. Barry Windham's here and he's a champion. So all's right with the world now. So not a great match, but definitely a moment in time that was awesome to watch. All right. So we're going to move to December 20th, uh, 1986. And this is on World. Uh, this is on also on uh, Pro. Um and on Worldwide, on 12-6, they actually announced that there would be a series of matches for the junior heavyweight title between these two men. And those two men are Denny Brown versus Hector Guerrero. And Denny Brown has been junior heavyweight champion forever, and we haven't really watched him in too much stuff because he hasn't really been on anything. Um, so we actually get him on TV now, defending against a pretty good contender. Uh, Hector's been somewhat dependable. Um, you know, it's funny, as we talked about it, Brown wasn't even at Starcade in the title defense, and he rarely defended his title, so this was cool. So our third title match, um, on TV in a matter of two weeks following Starcade. So Brown, to me, uh, you know, it's funny. He's a junior heavyweight champion, but he's got a little pot gut. So he kind of looks like an 80s bully that bullied people because he couldn't get a date. And then Hector, for me, look, he's one of those guys that eternally looks 80 years old. He just looks old. Um, Weaver says Brown title gets overshadowed by the world title, but he travels the world like flair. Um, I said that must explain why in 60 episode, this is like the third time we've seen him in a match, unlike flair, who we've seen wrestle at least 30 times over that time frame. But comparing Denny's title to Flair, I thought was a bit of a stretch. Uh, Brown shocks the shit out of me by doing a cartwheel and a head scissors takedown to Hector. And Hector pops up and does the same thing to him. I was really shocked how quick Brown's working. It's really out of nowhere. Um, They trade back and forth arm drags and Matt wrestling. Brown throws Hector out of the ring. Denny offers his hand to Hector to let him in the ring. Hector takes it, but Brown pulls his hand away and Hector falls back down to the floor, which I thought was great. Um, Hector is pissed off. He come back for commercial. Brown is in control with a side headlock and pulls hair to keep control of it. Brown dominates and it's a suplex. Um, all into, all, until, it's all Brown until he misses a leg drop. Hector does a drop kick and a reverse midair running splash for two. Suplex for two. Then there's a Brown sleeper. Hector does a butterfly suplex. Brown hits a savage knee to the head. It's really great back and forth. Um, Hector is, comes back with a suplex for two. Then hits a springboard body press and time limit hits, uh, hits at two. Um, so this was pretty damn shockingly good, I thought. And I actually want to see more of these, which we probably will. But it won't exactly happen the way you might think, because Hector Guerrero goes under a gimmick change. But these two will face again for the junior heavyweight champion. But Brown shocked the shit out of me. Uh, I went three and a quarter shift. I don't know about you. I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I went two and three quarters. I, I really enjoyed this. I will say um, 
Denny looked like Marty Janetti a little bit for some reason to me. Um, I yeah, think like was, like kind um, of an overweight. Oh, yeah, like that's a good comparison actually. Yeah, a little bit. And uh, Hector had a comically large sombrero um, because you know they they had to bring up his heritage. Yeah, um, Cro- uh, Crockett not the best for uh, diversity and inclusion in '86. Yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, I will say that Denny seemed to be working slightly heel during this. Like yep. Hector would offer a hand, and Denny just put him in a headlock off of it. So Denny um, typically is a heel, heel. You just wouldn't know it because we haven't seen too much of him. But he is typically a heel. Okay, had no idea. Um, yep. Uh, Hector got the surfboard on Denny, which I really liked. Um, and like both used to head scissors at one point on each other. Um, and, yeah, I'm skipping that note. So it doesn't make sense. Um, Denny was being a dick and slamming like Hector around on the outside after like Hector would let him in the ring, which I thought was very nice. But it makes sense now. Um, I didn't like the sleep. I didn't like the time expiring. Uh, like mm-hmm. kind of pissed me off. I was like, I really thought we were getting a title change here. Because... I thought for sure Hector Guerrero was going to win a title because then yeah. he hasn't done anything and Hector at least has name value. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, uh, two and three quarters. Okay. But still a, a pretty shockingly good match. I mean, kind of hit me out of nowhere. I thought it was really good. So yeah, I liked it a little bit more than you. All right. So let's talk about our final stuff of the evening. So um, on 12-27, so uh, this is the last weekend before we hit 1987, and we're going back to World Championship Wrestling on Peacock. Up first, Ronnie Garvin, Crockett comes out and said Garvin has to choose between one of his belts. So he has to give up either the Mid-Atlantic title or the U.S. Tag Team title. Garvin is disappointed but does not want to disappoint his partner, and he gives up the Mid-Atlantic title and says he means no disrespect. Crockett says he will let us know in the future of the title, but... Um, there is no feature for this title shift because this title that has a long lineage of champions like Briscoe, Race, Flair, Steamboat, um, they've had an incredible history. This is the last time we'll talk about it on this pod, and this is the end of the Mid-Atlantic title. So any thoughts Adios, on that? Sayonara. One less title for me to worry about. Let's go. Yeah, it's very similar how they uh, merged the national and U.S. championship, and now they've, the Mid-Atlantic championship is bye-bye. Yeah. So with that... Later on in this, we get a U.S. tag team title match. And, you know, Garvin and Wyndham have just won the belts. And immediately, they're defending the titles against the Midnight Express. So, again, big-time match here um, for the new champions. Um, as stated, uh, Jim Cornette is back, and Baby Doll is gone again. Cornette on commentary uh, makes quick fun. He's, he's on there making fun of Barry's hair and calling Garvin the Barney Rubble of pro wrestling. Uh, Which was Barry, amazing. Yeah, great, great line. And pretty. he does that throughout his career when it comes to Garvin. Uh, Barry has some nice opening exchanges with both heels. Bobby uh, stiff fucks Garvin in the corner, but then gets stiff punched by Garvin. Eaton and Condry both lock in um, standing front face locks to keep Garvin from making a tag. Garvin reverses a suplex for a small package for two. Garvin hits a flying head scissors to Bobby and keeps him in the head scissors on the mat. He then um, scrapes Bobby's head across the mat, which I thought was great, and tags Barry in. We come back for commercial. Barry in control and takes on both Express, reversing everything they do to him. Garvin tags back in with a top row sunset flip for two, suplex to Condry. Bobby wails on Garvin, then wears him down with a chin lock. Bubba takes a pot shot while we're is distracted, and then we get really great heel work by the Express who work over Garvin. Barry gets a tag, and Condry hits a nice suplex to Wyndham, um, and then Bubba slugs him on a ref distraction. Three minutes left, and Garvin finally in, and the Express just beat the shit out of him. Like, Garvin has no offense. Um, they're just dominating the match, and they look great with their uh, in-and-out tags. Dennis hits a power slam and a rocket launcher for the Express for two. Bobby keeps going for the pin anyway, including keeping his knee in Garvin's face to hold him down, but Garvin keeps fighting back. 
Brain Buster from Condry, uh, by Condry for two, and a bell, again, another time limit draw. The Midnight Express beat up Garvin with a racket until Barry finally gets in for the save after dealing with Bubba. So this was kind of a weird match for me because usually on time limits, the faces are on top when the bell rings. Like they they almost win, but the Midnight Express kind of dominated and were just great in this match. And they just beat the fucking shit out of these guys. And I honestly thought Garvin and Wyndham didn't look that great. Um, I thought they made them look particularly weak, particularly Garvin. Um, and they got no heat back. So Garvin got beat up with no comeback and they beat shit after with the racket. Even still a pretty good tag. I went three and a quarter. Uh, post-match interviews, Express and Jim come out. They cut a promo shitting all over the champions and basically call him out. Um, call him jerks and promise to get their belts. He particularly hones in on Garvin and says he will put him out of wrestling and tells Wyndham to get away from Garvin while he can or will be put out too. Uh, the champs then come back on. Garvin doesn't see many teams that beat them, but he can see jerks like the Midnight Express who use rackets that can. He calls Bubba a big blub of fat. <laughs> Barry says he's heard Cornette. He says he agrees his team could stand with them, but these belts aren't going anywhere. And before I have you talk about the match, just FYI for you, Shift, Garvin and Wyndham, I don't know why. They're one of my favorite tag teams ever growing up. Um, I don't know why. They're I just two of your Garvin. favorite wrestlers. They really are. And the next episode, um, we'll talk more about Garvin and his January 87, which has one of the most iconic TV matches of all time, which cemented him as one of my favorites. But so a lot happening in this whole thing. So what are your thoughts about the match, the post promos, et cetera, et cetera? Um, this, so this match, I went two and three quarters. Like you oh, said, Jesus, I was shocked. Oh, with- I know. I was just shocked at how Garvin, like they made Gar- like Garvin. I actually have a note here that says Garvin gave up the wrong title. Um, yeah, you look like a bitch, right? Yeah, like they're <laughs> yeah. really like, and this man who's known as Hands of Stone, it's like, it's not really like what I want to see with like what's going on. But um, I, like you said, the cornet line about the Garvin, the Barney Rubble of professional wrestling. He then had another line which I thought was hilarious. Cornette goes, for some reason, my mom said Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to you, Shivani. What's that about? And Tony <laughs> just laughs through it. Yes, I remember that. Correct. <laughs> so it's like, I, um, I don't know. But um, I did like when Barry was in. I think that was the problem. I just wanted Barry to be in more. And it was more like Garvin getting his ass beat for this whole time. Uh, nice double team from Garvin. I mean, from the Midnight Express. Like, they were doing great not letting Garvin tag in. Um like uh, Garvin actually then got a head scissors and leg lock that I like back from that. And we came back from commercial and Barry was in and hit Condry with the drop kick and he's just so smooth. Um, and then like Barry was in control of Bobby with Bobby kick Barry and, and Barry then missed a, a, a drop from the middle rope. Garvin did a sunset flip, which I'm starting to think is their, their uh, special move. Um, hands of stone then rock Dennis, but it wasn't like a normal punch. I would put him out. So it was weird that like they let that happen. Um, Garvin just was just getting beat down. Um, but I love that, uh, Barry was in and fighting Bobby at one point and Bobby just hit a nice, nice knee. And now main of like midnight express were just like back to their old ways of just like clean in the house. And I love that Bubba got in with the cheating. So it shows like, Hey, you're not only fighting us, you're fighting me and, and Cornette, which I thought was nice. Um, like they said like it was a minute left, but then they wrestled for three more minutes. Like, cause yes. Garvin got a hot tag and he cleaned the house. Then they worked over Garvin. They still said it was a minute, like 30 seconds now. Then they hit a rocket launcher and the two, and I even had, and they got two, which I was like, I don't know. They should have just did a double count out or something just, just to do this because like you kind of wasted the rocket launcher as this move that puts you out if they get two. 
like if you can just get two on it. So that was my qualms with it. But I, I went I went two and three quarters. I could be persuaded to bump it up to three, but that would have to be another another uh, well, watch. Well, I'm not going to persuade you because here's the thing. So this match, what do you think about the post promos, the post match promos? Uh, I, I like them. Hopefully, we get more matches in between them. Uh, uh, Garvin really saying that no other team can beat us was pretty interesting. So here's more the thing. Of, more of a heel thing. Yeah, this match actually starts a pretty bitter feud between these two teams. And there's one incident that we'll talk about in a few episodes from now that really sets it on fire. Uh, okay, like, good. Literally, good. by the way, literally sets it on fire. So awesome. spoiler alert. So we'll talk about that in a future episode. So that's it, Shift. Um, that's kind of like, so we bridge the gap from Starcade to 1987. On our next episode, we will start about the beginning of 1987 and all things that start in January. A lot happens literally in the first week of January. So we'll talk about that on our next, next episode. But before we go, um, anything you would like to plug? Nah, just check out everything on, on the feeds. Everyone's doing great work uh, from the Extreme Three Way Dance on the NoSo feed to uh, what we got cooking up here on the wrestling feed. Justin and JT, I mean, Scott and JT are um, in the throes of the end of uh, 2009, which is not the best time, but it's very interesting to go back and relive it. They made CM Punk a jobber, which I know Logan and. Um, Sean liked after he lost the title to uh, Undertaker. Just uh, check out the pop feed. We got a great. Um, I actually like CM Punk in WWF run. I just don't like him in his current run. That's all. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, uh, check out the pop feed. Uh, we got the new Traders of the Lost Ark that dropped. Uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it's maybe a month a month behind. But uh, re- just check out the uh, Harley Quinn, the little black book of Harley Quinn. Everyone's just doing a great job. We got um, chicken salad. Those guys went over Road Wild 99, which God love them for watching that car crash. But, yeah, just check everything out. All right. Uh, yes, yeah, so Shift covered a lot of it. So he brought up traders. Um, the next traders will be a really – I'm looking forward to the one we're doing a daredevil arc on the next one. So uh, that'll be good. Um, link it up. Lucha who um, I do with uh shift as well with Logan on no. So where we're going through Lucha underground has been a fairly interesting journey so far. Um, you can also uh, hear me and shift uh, most on highway to the impact zone, uh, YouTube roulette and our brand new pod that we're doing together on the no. So feed called territorial where we go through the territories and pick a feud out of the territories and just talk about that one feud and start middle and beginning and just carry on through the entire uh, feud. So really looking forward to doing that one. Um, by the time this, this pod's dropped, um, the first two episodes might've dropped. The first episode we, um, I did solo is about, uh, it's about Lawler versus Von Eric on the road to um, Super Clash 3. And then our second episode is, uh, man, Talking about Roddy Piper versus Bruno San Martino, who, my God, I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait for everybody to listen to that one. Chip and I haven't recorded that one as of this recording, but um, what a freaking banger feud that was that came out of nowhere. So with that, I am Sean Kidd. He is Scott Shiflett. We will see you next time on NWAA Practical. We both lie silently still in the dead of the night. Although we both lie close together. We feel miles apart inside Was it something I said or something I did? Did my words not come out right? Though I tried not to hurt you Though I tried But I guess that's why they say Every rose has its thorn 
Just like every night has its dawn Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its thorn Settlers a game of easy come and easy go But I wonder, does he know Has there ever been like this? And I know that you would be here right now If I could have let you know somehow I guess every rose has its thorn Just like every night as it's dawn Just like every cowboy Sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its thorn Though it's been a while now I can still feel so much pain Like the knife that cuts you the wound heals But the sky that star Every rose has its thorn 